winning's hard. Really, really hard. Welcome back to another edition of the Winning is Hard podcast. Cameron Parker, Wes Scott Eberts here for you on this Friday afternoon as we get ready for Texas first. Baylor, Westcott, how are you doing today? I am thinking about Baylor today, man. Not my favorite place in the world. Are you thinking about what you would rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? Wait, don't answer that. Don't answer that. <laughs> That's a trap. It is a trap. but And so is this game on Saturday. Potentially, Baylor is favored in this one, but uh, Texas has had some success against the Bears. 1-4 uh, in the last five meetings. Their last loss did come in Waco in that 24-10. to That was a fun game back in 2019. But let's talk about Texas first before we get into Dave Aranda's Bear team. The Texas defense has been a hot topic this entire season. Well, this entire team has been a hot topic the entire season. But specifically, the Texas defense and Pete Kwiatkowski's scheme um, likes to go with that 3-4. And he's kept with the, the two safeties for much of the season. Um, but, you know, what are your thoughts on what Kwiatkowski has done so far at Texas in this first year? Yeah, I think it's it's been a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, certainly I understand the emphasis on taking away big plays uh, with those two safeties. Um, other than a couple of those mistakes um, in the Texas Tech game, uh, you know, some pretty well-defended passes uh, caught against Oklahoma. I think Texas has been uh, pretty good in achieving that objective. They have a kind of bend-don't-break type of structure, uh, forcing teams to really be able to, to sustain drives and, if they're able to do it, uh, the defense has been good in the red zone, keeping opponents from making it into the end zone. I think from those areas, it has been a success, but um, just too many breakdowns um, in the running game, not enough of a pass rush. Obviously, coming into the year, uh, pass rush was always something that uh, Texas fans and, and observers, and I think I imagine the coaching staff too, um, you know, obviously they went out and brought in Ray Thornton, uh, Ben Davis, Ovi Okofo. Uh, to try to shore that area up. Okofu has had some pretty good moments. Uh, ben Davis and Ray Thornton uh, haven't really been factors off the edge. And, you know, on the on the inside, Texas uh, just hasn't really quite been disruptive enough um, with that defensive line. And that's a group uh, that's going to need to play well against Baylor. Uh, Baylor's a team with Jeff Grimes as the offensive coordinator replacing Larry Fedora after Dave Aranda's first year come in. He's installed the wide zone scheme. Uh, that's a, a a scheme that Texas will have to play well uh, with their defensive linemen, making sure that they can set the edge and, and so that those plays aren't spilling outside of those edge players. And how uh, Pete Kwiatkowski decides to, to structure the defense could impact that a little bit. Um, Oklahoma State is a team under Mike Gundy that has gone to playing a lot with two tight ends on the field. So Texas was playing that that uh, tr- true 3-4 with um, you know the, the edge player, uh, on, on really on both sides, uh, whether it was a stand linebacker, Ovia Kofu, or the uh, the jack end position, um, uh, sorry, the buck end position uh, that, that Ray Thornton plays. Um, so, you know, whether or not uh, Pete Kwiatkowski decides to have, you know, a nickel on the field, uh, they come down purely to the personnel. Baylor's uh, an 11 personnel team, so Anthony Cook may well receive more playing time. Uh, regardless of, of how they structure things up front, uh, those run fits need to be much better than they were when that defense got worn down against Oklahoma State a couple weeks ago. 
having DeMarvin and Overshone back should help. And, um, you know, based on, on what Steve Sarkeesian said um, on Thursday morning in his press conference, uh, Jalen Ford has really been coming on in practice in addition to his strong performance replacing Overshawn. Uh, so I would expect him uh, to maybe split some time with, with Luke Brockermeyer or maybe just uh, give Demo a, a little bit of a blow sometimes during this game. Before the fourth quarter, did you think the Texas rushing defense played well against Oklahoma State? Yeah, yeah, I thought they did. And and I think some of that is is just kind of, you know, getting worn down with all the time of possession. Uh, that Oklahoma State had in the second half. And on Saturday against Baylor, it's going to be the same type of battle. Baylor's, you know, a run-first team. They call it the the RVO offense, the reliable, violent offense. They average over six yards per carry, I believe. Um, One of the top, yeah, 6.09 yards per carry, fourth best in the country, number one in the Big 12. Abram Smith, a converted linebacker, over 7.5 yards per carry. That's best in the Big 12. So they're really going to test this Texas rushing defense again. And Kukowski, I don't know if he's going to come out of that two safety look. Oklahoma State, I was watching that game. I don't know if you got a chance to look at it, Wes Scott, but Mike Gundy's defense, they stacked the box and they they basically told you know Grimes, like, hey, you're going to have to beat us with Bohannon. And they kind of refused and they tried to run the ball still in that second half and they, they had little success, but the Texas D-line is not the Oklahoma State D-line, not even the same safeties. Uh, just what's your level of concern with the Texas rush defense going into this game Saturday? Not on the yeah, scope on the 10. Yeah, it's, um, I would probably put it at an eight. Um, you know, those, those issues with getting those consistent run fits have, have been, um, you know, a major problem. I think uh, everybody was hoping for a little bit more disruption from Keandre Coburn and um, more Ojimo inside. Uh, so far, that that really hasn't happened. Uh, Alfred Collins has been playing well. Uh, they're going to need him to, to play well again. And, um, you know, certainly my preference would be to, to get another safety into the box. Chip Brown reported last week that Josh Thompson was playing a little bit at safety, uh, just an effort to, to maybe get someone with a little bit more size and physicality in there. Um, and, you know, maybe instead of, of Jaron Thompson, um, and, you know, uh, Bohannon, I, I think, um, you know, Texas is, is going to want to be able to get some pressure on him. Uh, and they need to get Baylor um, in long down and distance situations or you know, even just try to force them into third downs overall. Uh, Baylor is, is ninth in the Big 12 in third down conversion rate. They've really struggled. Uh, they were good against BYU. Other than that, against the good defenses uh, that they faced, they, they've really struggled. Uh, certainly, I wouldn't put Texas in that good defense category um an sp plus you know they are 57th uh, so pretty pretty average um you know to, to kind of mediocre um in that in that opponent adjusted stat um but you know i think if they can if they can get some pressure get baylor into obvious passing downs and get some pressure into bohannon then you know they have a chance to maybe force some turnovers uh, bohannon's been really good uh, as a game manager and has shown some explosiveness in the passing game 8.9 uh, yards per attempt He's only thrown one interception this year. Uh, that's been a key stat for Baylor. Uh, they lead the the Big 12 um, in turnovers, uh, turnover margin, uh, interceptions, and uh, pass efficiency defense. So, you know, if Texas can get some game-changing turnovers there, uh, that would go a long way to, to mitigating, um, you know, some of the issues that they might face uh, going against a, a very experienced uh, Baylor defense that is uh, – 
number 16 nationally in SP+. Yeah, first in the Big 12 in turnover margin. They have seven. That's T9th in the country. Three interceptions uh, in the Oklahoma State game, though. Thank you, Spencer Sanders, for that one. But what I've seen out of Gary Bohannon, uh, I'm really high on him. I think he's maybe the most underrated quarterback in the Big 12. He's only had one interception this season. Takes takes care of the ball really well. And this is a quarterback coming out of high school that it offers from Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. Stayed at Baylor despite sitting behind Charlie Brewer for, I think, two or three years. And has taken over the reins of this offense. And Grimes done a great job. They're the very consistent offense, and they don't they don't put Bohan in a lot of tough spots. But the the third down is key. I think thirty eight percent third down conversion rates this year. And in that Oklahoma State game, they didn't really they didn't let Bohannon loose. I don't think they didn't. He didn't take a lot of shots downfield. That they kept it pretty conservative. A lot of quick outs, quick out throws out in the boundary, out in the flats. Um, I wonder if Texas is gonna try and enforce Bohannon to take some shots down the field. Yeah, I think, you know, that's, that is, um, you know, a question. I, I agree. I, I've been really impressed with his development. Uh, my impression of him when he came in as a recruit that he was more of a run first quarterback uh, this year, he's only his highest uh, rushing in the game. It was 36 yards against Iowa state. He only has 134 rushing yards total. So he's primarily been a pocket passer for Baylor. Um, you know, as we mentioned, a, a strong game manager hasn't turned the ball over. Uh, one thing to watch out for with him, he does have six rushing touchdowns. So once Baylor gets down into the red zone, uh, Texas is going to have to account for him in the running game. Um, otherwise, uh, not really so much. But, you know, of course, with, um, you know, those athletic quarterbacks, it can be more difficult uh, to get pressure on them because they can get out of the pocket and make plays there. Yeah, 20 or 30 chances in the red zone this year they've scored on 27 of them 18 are rushing attempts and he doesn't have a lot of rushing yards Bohannon but they do like to use him they like to use him in quarterback draws and then they go the empty set they do a little option plays um and they, they do a lot of the sign kind of like the 18 wheeler that we saw with with Tyron swoops kind of the, the same thing so it'll he's going to test the Texas linebackers I think this week too I was trying to, to think of the last time Texas faced a a quarterback or an offense that, that ran the option? Um, well, that is, that is a good question. I mean, I, Arkansas did it a little bit. Yeah. Against Texas. I think that would, that would be the only one who really ran it much this year. Uh, with and they the- have a... They have a really good offensive line too. Um, they were four upper class, but they have one sophomore who's been a biller for four years because of you know the NCAA new rules with eligibility. So they have a really good offensive line and the you know, the thunder and lightning attack with Abram Smith and Treston Ebner. Ebner's really flashy. He had that 98-yard kickoff return against Iowa State that he basically kind of won them the game. They only won by two points, but without that kickoff return, they, they might have lost that game to Iowa State. So he's another player to watch for but good offensive line and a lot of times on these you know the the wide zones that Grimes likes to run with Smith and Ebner they're getting down the field eight nine yards before even being touched yeah Baylor um you know went really heavy into the transfer portal this year uh several uh starting offensive linemen and um you know looking at their success that they've had it kind of makes me wonder where Texas might be if if they'd um you know went into the portal looking for an offensive lineman or two this year yeah, that's a that's a great question, and it's a, a hopefully something they're going to 
emphasize in the offseason in the transfer portal is offensive linemen because what Oklahoma has done with the portal what Baylor has done the portal and the offensive line it's it's paying dividends for them obviously and meanwhile Texas we're in week you know seven eight whatever second half getting ready to start and Sarkeesian still answering questions about the offensive line not not a, not a good sign no and um, you know having to rotate players along the offensive line not a good sign at all key stretch here with only bye week of the season to establish a little bit more chemistry and just working on the communication level too. Um, Dijon Robinson mentioned after the Oklahoma state game that there were some issues uh, with communication, you know, along the offensive line uh, certainly makes play calling much more difficult for Steve Sarkeesian when, you know, when Texas starts struggling, his, his inclination is to go to more of the base plays um, I would expect a little bit more of a wide open, you know, attack in the second half. Um, you know, one area where Texas has been really good this year that Sarkeesian pointed out today is that he feels uh, comfortable with it. It's just a game plan coming into the game and, and really all three phases um, on offense. Texas has been able to get off to a lot of hot starts this year. And then, um, you know, in the, in the last two games between the Oklahoma game and, and the Oklahoma state game, they were, kind of those key moments in both of those games where there's a big momentum swing play, you know, Jaron Thompson missing the tackle on the hole on Caleb Williams on fourth and one on that 66 yard touchdown after they'd gone up by 21. Um, And obviously the the pick six um, interception against Oklahoma state that, that really changed the tenor of that game. And so if Texas is able to get off to a strong start, kind of that next step in in having that mental uh, toughness on the field, is avoiding that big mistake that allows that opening for the other team to get back in the game. And if that does happen again, then having the response to it and having that, that proactive agency in the game and still having that trust uh, you know, with your teammates um, so that the breakdowns and, and techniques and, and fundamentals um, you know, doesn't happen, but you know, really, really responding to the game and, and not waiting for something bad to happen. And Sark has, has talked about, you know, trying to forget, you know, the bad things that happened to you, trying to forget, you know, the play before where it didn't go right and, and keeping keeping this your mental psyche on point for, for all four quarters. And when I look ahead to the next two games for Texas against Baylor and Iowa State, those are two games that are probably going to be four-quarter games. Yeah, no question about that. Um, you know, two of the, the stronger defenses – uh, that Texas is going to face this season. Uh, Baylor's scoring almost 34 points a game. Um, you know, I'm not sure if this is really going to be a game that's it scored it in the 30s, uh, maybe more like the high 20s. But you know, Iowa State, you know, hasn't been quite as explosive as as predicted. Um, you know, on offense this year, and um, yeah, um, I would expect I would expect uh, close games the next couple weeks. Yeah, the most points they've given up this season in a game, 29 to Iowa State. But besides that, two games where they only allowed a single point. That was the Texas Southern and Kansas. Make that what you will in the last three games. 24 allowed to Oklahoma State, 20 to West Virginia, and just 24 to BYU. But I have an interesting stat for you, Westcott, in that BYU game. Baylor's defense is statistically it's really good, but when you look at the quarterbacks they face this year, I don't think any of them really jump off the page to you as elite. They faced Jaron Hall at BYU two weeks ago, 
And on passes 15 yards or more down the field, he was 7 for 10 with 243 yards and a touchdown. And a lot, a lot of 50-50 balls that BYU was able to win. I think that's a, a good sign for Casey Thompson and Texas, even though you know they'll be a little bit short on the, the wideout corpse this week. Yeah, it's um, you know the kind of the the frustrations you know with the offensive line, uh, question marks about being able to pick up third downs without Jordan Whittington, and uh, but you know remarkable overall that this Texas offense, um, despite some of its limitations, uh, still ranks number ten nationally um, in SP plus, and you know of course a lot of that is due to Bijan Robinson, um, obviously, you know getting those those uh, good gains. Uh, to remain on schedule so important on first and second down uh, Bijan averaging almost seven yards per carry on 82 first first down runs uh, almost six yards per carry on 53 first down runs um, you know I feel like uh, you know really you know we talk about this almost every week and you know that's just because it's, it's such an important thing in the game uh, to really be able to win with those runs you know on first and second down uh, Baylor giving up a little bit over four yards per carry um, on first down. They've allowed uh, five touchdowns and then 16 runs of, of 10 or more yards, a little bit better on second down, only 2.8 yards per carry allowed for Baylor. Uh, certainly, you know, not as good as, as excuse me, Oklahoma um, on first down as, as, you know, the Sooners were when the Longhorns went into that game. Um, so that's, uh, you know, as always a key area to watch uh, for the Longhorns. Um, being able to stay on schedule. And I wonder if hopefully we're going to see a little bit more Keelan Robinson this week, but I wonder if we're going to see a little bit more of Casey Thompson running too. Cause you look back at the Oklahoma state game where the, the Cowboys rushed for over 200 yards, Jalen Warren had 125 yards, but he had 36 carries. So just over three yards per clip, but Spencer Sanders had a couple really big touchdown or a couple big runs, not touchdown runs, but a couple big runs in that game. He had, he had 76 yards, but obviously Bijan is the key. But as we saw in the Oklahoma state game in the second half when the, when the offense started sputtering and they, you know, they couldn't get a yard. Sark's got to find a way to incorporate whether it's going to be Keelan Robinson or Casey Thompson or, or somebody else in, in the offensive play calling to, you know, pick up these big yards, I think. Yeah, certainly, you know, I would I would like to see a little bit more of the quarterback run game. Um, you know, Sark has been on record, you know, not not like uh, not really wanting to use that. Um, it's really been since he had Jake Walker at Washington since the quarterback, uh, since any of his quarterbacks have been heavily involved in, in the running game. And, you know, that was primarily because that fit Jake Walker's skill set, and that was the offense that he had inherited uh, when he took over the Washington job. Um, you know, I'd love to see, you know, quarterback tr- uh, draw play call, um, you know, run a zone read every once in a while just to try to keep that backside uh, player a, a little bit more honest because, um, you know, I think that, uh, you're right, and, and there could be um, there could be some space for Casey Thompson, uh, especially because that's something that uh, Texas really hasn't used this year. So, you know, I don't think that uh, opponents are uh, really preparing for that as part of their defensive game plan. Yeah, Jaron Hall had a 56-yard rushing touchdown on a on a zone read. He came on a fourth and one, and he had I don't think he had run all game. It was a great play call by by BYU, and it really caught Baylor's linebackers off guard so a little bit more creativity 
in this offense would be nice. But I think someone that goes back to Sark just, I don't think he trusts, he trusts his offense really. That's why he keeps going back to, you know, back to what he thinks they do well. And if they, what they do well can't pick up, you know, two yards on second and one or pick up two yards on, you know, third and two, then it's a little bit scary. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely is a little bit scary. Um, you know, after kind of publicly copying to that this, uh, you know, this week, I, I wonder if, um, you know, Sarkeesian might be a little bit less conservative um, in those situations. But, you know, I mean, the, the number one factor is that, you know, if the offensive line can play better and keep the offense from getting in those situations where they bog down over, you know, three, four, or even more yard, uh, uh, you know, more drives, um, then, you know, Sarkeesian won't be put in, in those positions uh, to have to make some of those decisions that he's, uh, you know, admitted to not being uh, fully comfortable yet, um, you know, with this team. And, you know, once he's able to get more of his players and, and you know, hopefully build an offense that, that has fewer question marks, um, you know, I'm sure that like the, the full play calling ability that Kyle Flood uh, raved so much about before the season uh, will come into play. But, um, you know, the Texas offense clearly not there right now, but, you know, again, uh, still remarkable that it's the number 10 offense in, in SP plus, um, even with some of those uh, limitations that, that Sarkeesian is, is trying to coach around with uh, varying degrees of, of success and, and certainly um, some high profile failures in the last two games. Yeah, it's funny. We, we talked so much about how the Texas offense is struggling, how the O-line is struggling, and it's still all the metrics have it as one of the best offenses in the country, but, but it does sputter at times but it also it's you know two more weeks for the offensive line to gel together two more weeks for them to maybe find some consistency and to give more reps to Topi Amadi whether or not he's going to you know play as much as he did against Oklahoma State more reps for Carrick uh for Christian Jones Jake Majors Baylor's defensive line you know they're disruptive they got some big boys on the D-line um Ika, Ika, I can't pronounce his name, number 62. Apu Ika, I think, is how you correctly pronounce it. He's a, he's a big man down low. He, he'll, I'm, I'm interested to see his battle first, Jake Majors, on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be a, a big-time battle for the Longhorns. Jake Majors um, struggled early in the season, especially in the Arkansas game against John Ridgeway when Ridgeway was lined up directly over him. Mika is a guy who's not going to make a lot of plays in the backfield, but he's 350 to 50 pounds. Uh, he can blow up some of those plays, even without necessarily getting a tackle for loss. And I, I think that may be a reason why uh, Baylor is number two um, in the Big 12 in, in tackles for losses, uh, disrupting plays and, and allowing his teammates uh, to really clean them up. Um, you know, especially, you know, outside zone is still the best running play for Texas. Uh, that's a play where, you know, you want to be able to get defensive linemen moving sideways and kind of use their momentum against them. Uh, but if Jake Majors is, is getting, you know, pushed back into Bijan Robinson's track, uh, that's going to make it really difficult for Texas to execute that play successfully. Yeah, and it allows TJ Franklin and Josh Landry to make the big plays. Even, like you said, Ike is not getting in the backfield all the time, but he's doing enough to really cause the TFLs that make this Baylor defense so dangerous. They got a great linebacking core. I'm a, I'm a uh, have a big crush on Jalen Petrie. He makes a, a lot of big plays. Terrell Bernard comes back for 
his junior year. Dylan Doyle, I think, was leading the Big 12 in, in tackles at one point this season. So they have good, good front eight. Um, I, I still think their corners are question marks. I just go back to, you know, not facing really a, a high-powered offense. I mean, if you want to consider BYU a high-powered offense, sure. Hall did throw for over 300 yards against them, but they were able to really limit BYU's rushing game to where it was basically ineffective completely. Yeah, uh, you know, Petrie is a guy that uh, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, really raved about um, during his Thursday press conference. Uh, really that that true uh, versatile nickel, like Texas, Baylor calls at the star position. Uh, but, you know, Petrie is a guy that they can bring off the edge. Uh, he's dangerous in those situations. Uh, just so so fluid in his hips, you know, able to bend that edge, you know, kind of as we saw B.J. Foster do a little bit, you know, as a freshman when when he was making plays, uh, you know, the Texas offensive lineman kind of coming back to the need for better communication there. There may be times where they have to identify Petrie as a blitzer. Uh, certainly, you know, Baylor hasn't hasn't faced a, perhaps a quarterback of, of the quality of, of Casey Thompson this year, at least in, in his efficiency. They do lead the Big 12 in pass efficiency defense, and that's a very experienced uh, secondary back there. So, you know, I, I don't think that Baylor is going to be having a lot of mental breakdowns. They're obviously very well coached. Dave Aranda, uh, well known across the country and, and very respected by, I think, everybody in and around college football for his ability, you know, as a defensive coordinator. And, you know, so if, if Texas is going to take advantage, um, you know, of that secondary, I think it'll be more about scheming up ways to, to get Xavier, Xavier Worthy one-on-one uh, -on -one and then having him run past some of those uh, Baylor cornerbacks because he, he certainly has the speed to do that. Yeah, I think Texas and Casey Thompson really have to take advantage of those one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Um, Dejada, cornerback, senior quarterback, was actually benched in that first half against BYU because Jaron Hall was picking on him so much, and eventually he came back in the second half. But it's gonna we're going to need to have a, a big performance out of somebody else besides Xavier Worthy on Saturday, I think, too. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, on Monday, some of the inconsistency, you know, at that position. Um, you know, Joshua Moore is a guy who, you know. Uh, who? Had, <laughs> had some big games last year for Texas. And, um, you know, other than making some plays against Oklahoma, he's really been uh, mission, uh, missing in action all year. And, you know, he's really the guy who has the most experience he has a high level of explosiveness himself. Um, I think it's going to be really hard um, for Texas to win this game um, if, if Joshua Moore isn't making some plays on Saturday. Does Texas have to play perfect to win, you think? I don't think Baylor is that good. But, um, you know, I certainly think that, you know, if, if Texas loses a turnover battle, um, you know, something, as we mentioned, Baylor has been consistently good at, um, you know, or if they give up, you know, a big play on special teams, you know, I would guess that Cameron Dicker is going to be, um, you know, aiming for touchbacks on, on every kickoff for the Longhorn so that they don't have to deal with Ebner's, uh, Ebner's speed and, and dynamic ability in, in, on special teams. Yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote about it in my appointed preview that will come out uh, on Friday about Ebner's really a difference maker, I think, in this game. A lot of attention will be given to Bohannon and Tyquan Thornton, who we haven't even talked about, leads the Big 12 in receiving Thornton and Abram Smith. But Ebner is a type of elusive running back that on special teams, too, he, he can 
change this game with with one return that can set up Baylor either in great field position or even take it take it back to the house. So it's special teams, which I think has been pretty solid for the Horns this year. I mean, you can look back at Xavier Worthy's fumble against Oklahoma as a negative, but Cameron Dicker's been one of the best punters in the country, which is surprising, and he hasn't given given too many opportunities for field goals this year. Um, but special teams. It's going to be key. I mean, everything's going to be key in this game. You can just say whatever you want to be key, but, <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing to be aware of with Ebner, only 10 catches for 84 yards this year, but he has he has been a guy in the past uh, who's been dangerous um, for Baylor in the passing game. Uh, 348 receiving yards in 2018, 317 in 2019, and uh, 299 yard, uh, receiving yards uh, last year. So, you know, certainly when, when he's in the backfield, uh, Texas needs to be aware of him, you know, possibly, you know, leaking out because, um, you know, he could hurt Texas in that area as well. And what I noticed is that they'll use Ebner out of the backfield, like on, on wheel routes a lot, and Bohannon won't throw to him too much. But that's going to be there, I think, on Saturday. If he decides, if he realizes that he, he can get a first down anytime he wants to by just throwing – Ebner on that wheel route if Texas linebackers aren't paying attention or the safeties, corners, whatever. Yep, no question. Any other thoughts on uh, your favorite team in Texas besides the Longhorns? Can't wait to get out of the Big 12. Baylor's an embarrassment. Um, horrible city, horrible university. Uh, can't wait till they're gone. Tired of dealing with their fans. Tell us how you really feel, Westcott. <laughs> This is this is the toned down version. <laughs> oh man, I want to hear the tone up version. Maybe that's yeah, not 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 in the public public sphere. No. Well, we'll be back Monday to recap. Um, winning running remains hard. Hey, we got we got a, a winning is hard out of Davos Sweeney this past weekend. Oh, yeah, winning has definitely been harder for Clemson than um, it has been when they've had a league quarterback play. That's for sure. Makes a big difference. Sure does. Well, Westcott, thank you for the time. And everybody, thanks for listening. Yep, y'all have a good one. Winning's hard. Really, really hard.